Colossians 1, 28-29 Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast. Uh, Today, Pastor Dennis and I will be looking at uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, and specifically what these verses tell us uh, about discipleship and, and really the goals of discipleship, the goals of earthly sanctification. Yeah, I think we need to understand what Paul was getting at here as he's writing to the believers at Colossae. There's there's a purpose behind his pleading with them to become more mature. There's a purpose behind what he says to them, uh, in that he you know he understands what he's struggling with and what the members there were struggling with, but yet. Despite their struggles, the work goes on. And uh, so what exactly does this mean for us? That's what we want to talk about. Yeah, and, and I think that's we read passages like this and we see, well, yeah, that was his goal. That's great. But anytime we read anything in Scripture, one of the questions that we need to ask about it is, what does this mean for us? Um, you know, there's always something that we today can can glean from a passage, even with the this person begat that person, begat that person, and, and numbers and, and various places. We still learn more about Israel and about everything. Um, but I think the epistles, it's a lot clearer uh, what we can get from them. Uh, and to me, one of the biggest things that we need to remember when we talk about the epistles is pretty much every one of them, you could argue that not as much with Revelation, but with all of the rest of the epistles, which that's not categorized epistle anyway, but the all of the epistles, they're written for a reason. They're not just written like, oh, hey, what's up? It's, you have a problem, here's what you need to be considering. Right, and each of the writers were inspired to write for a specific reason. Um, now, we, we glean multiple principles and many different aspects of faith and and great truths and understandings from you know all that they wrote but in many cases there was a specific reason why they were writing at least for the individual passages mm-hmm. at this point Paul's writing about this and then later on he'll attack this argument and then he'll answer this aspect of a group that's trying to undermine his his authority and and so he he works through all those things but we see that we've been talking about that in James there's there's a reason why he specifically said let no one say when they are tempted that they are being tempted of God clearly he said let no one say that because there must have been people saying that and and that's quite offensive but that's not the passage we're here to talk about Uh, but we I bring that up to say there are clear reasons why Many of these passages were written. Some of the passages, it's not quite so clear. We're not exactly yeah. sure where this came from. I think, isn't it, First uh, John, um, he writes this whole letter about 
what it means to live as a Christian and walk in the light as Christ is in the light. And then he has this really strange way he ends the entire letter. Everything kind of fits, and then at the very end he makes a, a strange statement. And so some of them are, are a little bit difficult to, to grasp and to understand. But here in Colossians, it's pretty straightforward uh, when he says that, you know, him we proclaim. Um, what does it mean that he proclaims? Who is he proclaiming? What is he warning about in, in 28? What does he mean that, we, that they might present everyone mature in Christ? And um, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. What kind of struggle? What kind of toil? You know, those are great questions. It's only two verses, but there's a wealth of information here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of my favorite examples of the the way the epistles function is in Jude, when <clears throat> excuse me, when Jude says, "I wanted to write to you about our common faith." So literally, I wanted to write to you to like chat about some stuff, but then immediately follows up with, "But you have some stuff going down that we need to talk about first. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and we 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 know that that could have been something with with Paul and um, Corinthians because we know that he probably wrote three or four letters to the Corinthians, but we only have two, which means only the two were inspired for canon. Uh, the other two may have been like, hey, what's up, guys? Probably not, but it, it probably wasn't as significant as the other two. But with this, it, it's it's good to see the whole beginning of Colossians. So I preached through Colossians last year for anyone that doesn't know, so I like this letter. Um but he starts fairly typical in, in terms of the epistle structure or letter structure, the whole first chapter, which he didn't set the chapters, but is basically a greeting and I'm thankful for you and, and all this stuff, even though you have some stuff going on. And now we need to remember that Christ is the preeminent. So he's setting up the base foundation and then he's giving the reasoning for all of this. And then he goes into the letter kind of breaking down all the different aspects. Um, but, one of the big things is just the the purpose of this letter is there's false teaching going on in this church saying that Christ isn't the 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 co-equal with God the Father that he is lower and it's they're trying to bring in uh false aspects or completed aspects of Judaism back into the Christian faith which is pretty common in most of the epistles uh, even if that's not the core issue, most of the epistles we see a level of um, Jewish Christians or Jews that want to bring more Jewish aspects into Christianity and force it where it no longer belongs. Um, but we see, we know that that's part of the problem in Colossians at the very least. Right. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot happening to all of the groups that Paul wrote. And you can tell there's some groups that he wrote very lovingly, very kind, very um, faithfully. He wrote to all of them faithfully, but he he kind of deals with some, some things a little differently. Then you get to Galatians, and you can tell he's, he's, he's a bit perturbed as he writes that letter um, for good reason. But, uh, but here to the Colossians, he's, uh, he's explaining a lot of really important things. Um, and he actually, I mean, he kind of defends his ministry or at least explains his ministry because the greater context of 28 and 29 really starts in, in or at least takes on a larger effect in verse 24 when he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up 
what is lacking in Christ's effect, or excuse me, afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make, make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, referring back to Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, warning them about what? Well, there's a reason why this, this mystery had been hidden, and now it's revealed to the Gentiles. And this mystery of what Christ has done, this mystery of what God has allowed in sending Jesus to bring this love gift, that is, those who are saved, uh, were turned over to Christ, and that He protects them. He is their shepherd. He guides them. He feeds them. He, um, he, they are His flock. And He came to rescue them and to save them from the wrath that they'd incurred, this is all what Paul is telling them, and he's explaining to them, this is why I became a minister, so that you might know who God is. Mm -hmm. And now, I've shared him with you, I've been struggling to help you to understand him, I've been toiling and and fighting to try and deal with this, and that struggle continues down into chapter 2, all the way through verse 3, where he says, for I want you to know how great a struggle, so now he's going to kind of dive into the struggle a little bit. For now I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and and those at Laodicea for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged. So I want you to know how much I've been struggling because I want you to be encouraged that your hearts your hearts will be encouraged being knit together in love, being brought together, having unity to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of knowledge, uh, excuse me, of wisdom and knowledge. And he says, I I want you to to understand the struggle that I've had is not for my sake. The The toils, the trials, the tribulations, the thorn in the flesh, all of these things, these are not there so that I am made famous. These are there so that you might know the famous one, that you might know who Christ is and know the excellencies of his of his mercies, the the joy of his salvation, that you might know who Christ is. And so when he goes back to verse 28, there's a reason why he's telling them all this, and it's so that he might present them as mature. The Greek word there could mean perfect, we know we won't achieve full perfection this mm-hmm. side of heaven. That's why it's usually translated as mature. But you see Paul writing. Why did he write? So that he would help the believers to mature. Why did first? Why was First John written? So that the believers might be mature. That, that if you say you're in the light but you walk in the darkness, then you're you're lying. If you say that if you say that you're you know that you love God but you hate your brother, you're you're a liar. Um, if you say that you have no sin, you make God a liar, and mm-hmm. so it gets a little bit stronger there. So he's writing why so that the believers will be mature. Why does James write so that the believers will be mature? Why are all these letters written so that we can grow? So what's the point here? Paul wasn't writing so that they could just walk an aisle or pray a prayer. Paul was writing so that they would know Christ and that their lives would be changed. Because that's the evidence of the gospel. That's the evidence of the mystery of salvation being revealed to the Gentiles, that they are different people now. Yeah, and this gives the uh, feeling of, you know, the different teachers, and you were were in wrestling and I was in martial arts, the like, you're going to hate me now, but you're going to thank me in a few years when you know what you're doing. 
My surgeon said that. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's kind of what I'm, what I feel in this passage is like, you need to listen so that you can be where you need to be. Cause this, and this is really the goal of discipleship. Mm -hmm. So this is the goal, not just of pastors. Cause I think some people read when Paul says, I'm intending to do this as well. That's the pastor's goals then. Okay, yeah, but that's the believer's goals, period. Anyone that has a disciple, which should be every believer that's been a believer for more than 10 minutes uh, or so, uh, not quite literally, but you should have some type of disciple. You should have some type of person that you're witnessing to. And the goal in any of those things is to present that person more mature than when you found them. Uh, That's a weird way to put that, but that that should be the goal uh, anytime. And you don't have to know all the answers to disciple someone. You just need to teach someone what you know, and you'll be surprised how much you learn when you're discipling someone. Um, And so Paul was writing, again, that they might be mature. You you use the example of sports with the the coaches. They're like, you know, you may not like what I'm putting you through now, but on game day, at the match, at the the meet, you're going to thank me because you'll be better prepared. I mean, that's what parents do. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, how many people grew up the older they became as a teenager, the dumber they thought their parents were. And then they graduated and got into the real world. And then the older they get, the smarter their parents seem to be. And it's like, you know, as a teenager, I'm like, man, my parents, we we kind of butt heads. And I wasn't even, I didn't really get in all that much trouble. But there's just things that I'm like, man, when I'm a parent, I ain't going to do this that way. You know, that kind of thing. And now that I'm a parent, I'm like, man, my parents were really smart. They had some really good ideas, mm-hmm. you know. And it's sad, but it's like, if I would have just realized that as a teenager, that would have alleviated some headaches. Um, Paul is telling these these believers, I'm writing, and I'm teaching you, and I'm working with you, and I'm fighting to make this work. I'm struggling. I am toiling. I am. This is a hard road to plow, and... But I'm willing to do it. Why? Because I want you to grow. I want you to be more mature as a result. I want you to find the same joy in Jesus that I find. Mm-hmm. Because Paul knew the joy. I mean, he was the one that said, in all ways, in, in all situations, in all circumstances, I've learned to be content. Why? Because he knew true joy. He knew what it was to truly and faithfully walk with Jesus. And that's why Paul can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Because he's like, hey, I know the way, follow me. And does that mean we subscribe 100% to Paul and we forget Jesus? No, but we need to understand who inspired Paul to write. And we follow Jesus first and foremost, but we should hitch our wagons to, you know, to Paul's and follow him because he's going to give us a, a tremendous example of what it means to follow, what it means to, to grow, what it means to be maturing. Yeah, and I think, to me, this is a... Everyone that wants to go to seminary should have to read this passage and say why they still want to go into vocational ministry, if that's why they're going to seminary. Because I know plenty of people that went to seminary just to learn more. Um, But it's going to be a struggle, but we grow through that struggle. And and it's really the same in every area. Um, I think the second verse in this little two-verse couplet here, though is the uh, part of that power is that, you know, for, for this, I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. 
you know, we toil, we struggle, we push through, but ultimately it's his power that we're using uh, in a way. And now I, I caution when we read that in this verse as the same way as in, I think it's Philippians 4. I know it's Philippians. I think it's a chapter for the, I can do things, uh, all things through Christ who strengthens me. If he's called you to it, uh, if it's for his glory, if it's for his purpose, yeah. yeah. If it's like you want to win a race, well, maybe not. Well, that's another one of those verses that's pulled out of context and put in the most strange places. Um, you know, but it, it's one of those things like I can do all things. Can you fly? You know, can you fly through Christ who strengthens you? No. So what is the purpose? I can do all things according to his will, mm-hmm. you know, and all things that he's allowed for me to do. You know, it's it's interesting. There's certain things that uh, we sometimes take for granted and good biblical hermeneutics is one of them, but um, that we just we just assume that because it's written in English, we can understand it well. We need to dive a little deeper into those kind of passages, and this is one of them. You know, he's toiling and striving. We need to understand who the his is when he says his strength. Uh, it's Christ's yeah. strength. Paul is not struggling in his own strength to be able to help these people become mature. He's he's tapping into Christ's strength to help them to grow, to help them to struggle, or excuse me, help them mature as he struggles. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me, there's a uh, any time in seminary that I was asked to lead a devotional for a group or, or teach a, like a meditation level thing, so like five minutes or so, <clears throat> excuse me i almost always did the same thing almost exactly the same thing and it was on walking by faith you know i talked about different passages through scripture that talk about faith um and i i talk about naomi and i how we kept walking by faith and to everyone on the outside it looked like we were being dumb like we moved to texas with i think it was like four hundred dollars in the bank kind of a thing no jobs so, you know, here for $400 in the bank. Oh, that's not like horrible. Yeah, we didn't have jobs. So we had to literally live for like two months, basically on $400. Um, you know, not the smartest choice. Easier to do in Texas, though. Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, that would have lasted for a grocery ship trip here. Um, but, you know, we, we walked by faith because that's what we felt called to. Um, but... And I told people this, you know, you feel called to seminary and you feel like your your money issues are going to work out next semester. Well, maybe God is telling you your time is over. Your time is done here, or at least for right now. And I, ha- I did have people that left and came back once things got worked out and it was for the best. Uh, so in the same way with the walking by faith and walking in his power with Philippians, same way here, sometimes that means something difficult that we don't want to admit. Uh, sometimes it's a point that we're supposed to call it a day. Again, we see that like in Acts at the end of Acts, you know, they want to go this way and no, they can't go that way because God has decided that they aren't going to go that way and they end up in Malta. And that's a vast oversimplification of what happened. But I mean, it's basically that God guides us through those kinds of things and he empowers us for what, for his mission that he has called us to. Yeah. Well, and that's, again, it's why it's important that he says he's writing or he's teaching them with all wisdom. You know, he he wants them to grow, and he's he's teaching them. and And it's important for us to use wisdom in our daily lives, as you talked about. You know, people trying to figure out, 
you know, is God telling me my time is up? Is he telling me, trust me? Is he telling me, wait? Is he saying, you know, yes, but not yet? You know, those, it's a lot of different, you know, variations. You know, I've heard somebody once, they said, you know, God answers every single prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's not yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it gets a little bit more nuanced than that. Um, but I, I like that explanation that, you know, he does answer all of our prayers just because you don't hear it audibly and just because you don't see the effects immediately. You know, it, it is pretty rare to see the immediate answer to prayer. And I've seen it. I've, I've seen several times where something immediately changed. You know, there was, you know, you pray something and then just boom, it happens. You're like, wow, okay, thank you. <laughs> I had direct access today. You know, it was good. The, the Wi-Fi seems pretty solid. Um, but, but then there's other times that you pray and you pray and you pray. And for years you're praying and you're pleading and you're begging. And it seems like God isn't answering uh, and in those cases, I, I would be, I would caution people to be like, no, God is saying not yet. That doesn't mean it's a yes, you know, and, yeah. you know, we need to keep trusting. We need to keep believing, but we also need to be acceptant of his will. And that's really, really hard. That's why maturing is so important because you've got to mature in your faith. For Paul, as I said earlier, his goal was not just to get the, the, the Colossians to just repeat a prayer or just walk down an aisle. Paul had had no interest in easy believism. He he wanted real disciples. He wanted growing saints. He wanted maturing believers. He wanted tr- warriors of the faith who were going to train, who were going to develop, who were going to become strengthened individuals that could stand the tests that could stand firm in the midst of the trials, that could continue to to go out and build the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Because that's what real Christianity is, is it's an active faith. It's not a passive, you know, I'll show up every so often, and, you know, I might read my Bible occasionally. I might pray a prayer for my food or something. But other than that, I mean, at least I know I'm not going to, at least I know I'm not going to hell. You know, I, I'm a, how do you, you know, how many people do you know that, you know, you ask them, you know, do you know that you're a Christian? I'm like, yeah, I know I'm going to heaven. How do you know that? I, I prayed a prayer when I was a kid. I'm like, is that that the only thing you got? Which, granted, you know, you can always go back to the thief on the cross and be like, well, that's all he had. I'm like, yeah, he, he had that, and that's great. Do you want to be equated with the thief on the cross, knowing that you're not on the cross? You have a chance to grow. You yeah. have a chance to develop. You have a chance to serve. Um, you know, I, I I don't want to be the one who gets to heaven and has to give an answer for my service before Jesus and say, well, you know, the thief on the cross, like, you, you remember that? You were there. So don't feel like you should hold me to such a high standard. You know, it's like, is that what we should be striving for? That's not what Paul was after. Paul yeah. was after real maturity. Well, and I think we see so many churches today um, that use things like the seeker-sensitive model and the church growth movement and the missional model and all these things to get people in the door. Okay, but what about then? What after that? I talked to a pastor, um, I don't know, four or five months ago. He's a, he's a newer pastor at my home church in Connecticut. He's their executive pastor, and he said that he met with uh, on like a, a call with, I don't know, four or 500 different churches 
uh, in the Evangelical Free Church uh, denomination. I can't remember exactly what it was, but or he was on a call with the like bigger churches. That church I don't think is in that category, but he happened to be on it. And all of them realized during COVID how bad their discipleship was because everyone was faltering and falling away and, and all this stuff. And it was a lot of those churches realized they were just getting people in the door. Uh, but then in contrast, and, and, and he really, you know, that's one of the big things that he has a passion for is, is discipleship. He was a missionary and, and all these other things. Um, but then I think about, um, David Dubrain, he's a pastor in South Africa, and I've read a few of his books. And in one of it, one of them, in just a passing statement, he basically is like, you need to stop worrying so much about outreach and focus on discipleship. Because if you focus on discipleship properly, uh, evangelism will naturally happen. Uh, and I think that's kind of a, a, a smart approach. Now, he wasn't saying not to do things. He wasn't saying don't go out. He wasn't saying don't organize events. He was saying, don't put 90% of effort on getting people in the door. Put the majority of the effort into worshiping God and growing people, and then the rest will happen too. Um, yeah, the, you need to. we need to focus on growing the ones that are here and allow them to go out and reach others. The pulpit, The pulpit's primary purpose is to feed the sheep, not to, um, and, and I need to be careful how I say this, the primary function of the pulpit is for edification of the saints, mm-hmm. not necessarily for the evangelism of you know those coming in the door. Of course, you never know who's you know you never know the actual status of of those sitting in the seats. Um, so there needs to be some level of evangelistic outreach coming from the pulpit and just reminding people, you know, like we do with James, there's, you know, um, there's, it sounds like a lot of doom and gloom, you know, you're like, Hey, you're going to face trials. It's not, Hey, my count it all joy, my brothers, if you face trials of various kinds, it's when, you know, it's assumed you're going to face trials. Mm-hmm. And so it can come off as like, man, I don't know that I want to accept this. No, it's, it's, it's good. This is for your benefit. This yeah. is there to help you. It may not seem like it's helping you, but it, it is going to help in the long run. And, but since you don't know who's there, you have to constantly remind people like this hope that we're talking about it's only available for the saved. Now right. you can change that. You know, you can trust in Jesus today and and you can place your faith in him and believe that he is as we talked about in the last the last podcast, he is the one sent from God, uh, sent into the world to save sinners who, who lived and died and was buried and raised again all according to the scriptures and ascended on high. And if you trust in him and his ability to save you and 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 trust in his uh, his sacrifice and his payment for your sin, then you too will be saved. But the truth is, the, you know, Martin Lloyd Jones said that you know the, the Bible offers no hope for the unsaved. It, there's nothing but warning for the unsaved, mm-hmm. and there's nothing but hope, but for the saved. And 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 I agree with that. I think that you know you look at what the Bible teaches. If you're not a Christian, there's no hope here. Yeah, there's no hope for you. Um, there's no excitement. There's no peace. Um, but if you turn your heart over to Jesus and allow Him to save you, oh, there's tremendous hope. There's peace that surpasses all understanding. But it's it's available for those who are in Christ, 
And, th- and I think that's the struggle is sometimes we miss that. And we're just so focused on getting people in the doors that if we're not getting them saved and we're not helping them to, to have an encounter with Jesus, we can easily get things off focus. Mm-hmm. And then we're no longer doing what Paul toiled and strived to do and he struggled to do, and that is to mature the saints, to help them to grow. And there's a reason why we need maturity. When when tough times come, you know the weak will fall, and mm-hmm. we we can't afford to be weak, especially as things continue to progress in our society and our nation. We need people who are strong and mature and understand why they believe what they believe. But I'll, I'll be honest; I would much rather have a church of fifty people who are a hundred percent sold out yeah. to Jesus uh, than a church of two thousand spiritual babies, um, because I, this is going to sound really harsh. God didn't call us to be spiritual babysitters. Yeah. Um, he called us to feed sheep and to lead the flock. And um, if if your view of Christianity is just, you know, I said my prayer, I got dunked in the water, so I'm set. I don't need to do anything else. You know, you're right. You don't need to do anything else for your salvation, but there's plenty you need to be doing because of your salvation. And... And that's the point we need to get to. That's what Paul was was really pushing here. I'm teaching you for your benefit, for your maturity. Yeah, and and that's that's part of why I approach music ministry like I do. And I guess as a yeah practical example, just anytime I'm working with a group of people, I make sure that they know why I'm doing the music the way I'm doing it. It's not. It's not flippant. It's not just the songs that were stuck in my head that week. Sometimes it is that because sometimes I think that's how God's telling me to do a certain song. Um, but, you know, that it's thought through, it's learned, it's trained. It's I've been brought up by other people that are far wiser than I. And now I want to pass on what I've learned to those. So, you know, in the, the with the band, we're reading through a book together. With the, the choir, we do a devotional every every week with all of these because i want to make sure that a people know that i'm not doing this in a you know a concert way and then b i want them to understand it and be able to apply it uh, as best that they can and i've seen evidence of that and i'm very excited for that but i also know it's not through my doing it's through the grace of god that those things happen we see that all the time paul talks about the grace that god has given him in his ministry and our ministry any success isn't through our doing, but through the grace of God alone. Absolutely. Um, but as we come to the end of this time, meditating on what it is to disciple the goal of discipleship and the uh, where the power for discipleship comes from, I think we should keep that in mind as we seek people to be discipled by, as we look around our church and our places of of being and looking for people that we can disciple. Uh, and we should keep these things in mind and keep them in prayer as we go about them. Um, but to that end, let's end this time of meditation on this with a word of prayer. Yeah. And just before we pray, I'll just share, you know, I, I like having these I like having these conversations. I like working through, you know, these topics. If you're listening and you say, you know, I'm not being matured. I don't feel like I'm really growing. I don't feel like I have this great discipleship relationship. Um, I, I want to share with you that can change. Reach out to us. Contact us. Let us know. and We would love to set you up 
um, and, and help you any way that we can. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time that you've given us to be able to discuss. I thank you for these topics. I thank you for your word, which these topics are based on. Father, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your grace, your wisdom. I thank you for your just your love in our lives and, and giving us men like Paul that can write and, and teach us and instruct us and train us, but then also the many saints who have followed that have uh, lived up to their calling and, and been faithful in their service to you and, and in the many ways that they've continued to train and edify and equip the, the, the saints, your, your, your people, Father. Uh, so, Lord, help us to do the same. Help us to encourage, help us to edify, help us to equip and uh, in, in everything that we do, that we might be more mature, that the, those we lead might be more mature, that you might be made known to uh, to all people. And until that day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, Father, we, we long for uh, for your truth and your grace in our lives to, to just allow us to continue to to strive for uh, for your goodness. Um, help us to see that happen uh, in the way that we interact with others, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast, The Pastor's Corner. We hope that this conversation was edifying for you and uh, that you see a little bit more about discipleship and what Colossians tells us about discipleship. If you have any questions or comments or suggestions for things you'd like us to talk about in future episodes of the podcast, uh, please email us at pastor at mbaptist.org. We'd love to hear from you and what we can be uh, looking into and, and maybe helping understand in these different topics. For any prayer requests, please email us at prayer at mbaptist.org. We want to be praying with and for each and every one of you. Uh, Whether you're a member of our church or ministry or not, we want to be praying for you. For more information on Mililani Baptist Church, please visit our website at mbaptist.org or follow us on social media and YouTube. We thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you'll join us again next time. 